2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. The Word of God reads, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Reba. However, catch this, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Now that right there would let you know he's going to be in trouble. Verse 3 He sent someone to find out who she was. and He was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, for sake of time, we'll stop there. But I just want to give you the setting. First of all, I want you to realize the text tells us that in the spring of the year, kind of be, uh, it's the beginning of a new season. And just like the enemy works in seasons, David is in a spring season. He's in a moment where statistically and according to the way things just went back then, the king would go out in the spring season and he would be in the battle. He would be on the battlefield. But for some reason, David chose to remove himself to allow someone else to take his place his leader of the army named Joab. He gave him instructions to take the Israelite people, go out and fight the Ammonites. And they were victorious. But David, he had been taking a nap. He had been resting. The Bible says he he had laid his head down and, and rested. But for whatever reason, he got up and he found himself on a rooftop. I'm a roofer by trade, especially commercial roofing. And I know what it's like to be on many roofs. Thankfully, I've never been put in the position David had got himself in. But for whatever reason, he gets on top of a roof. Maybe he's dealing with a mindset. Maybe he's dealing with some, uh, he's not able to rest because of what he's thinking about the battle. I don't know why he's on the, the rooftop. But he puts himself in a position to see something he probably normally wouldn't have seen had he been on the battlefield. Recognize David was called by God just like you are called by God. David was called at an early age. He was anointed by the prophet Samuel, we know, uh, to become the king. And at a young age, David had an anointing placed on his life, even while guarding those, the sheep of his father. He was known as a shepherd boy, but he was called to lead like a king. I want you to see how when you are anointed and called, not only are you being chosen by God for a specific specific purpose to build his kingdom, but Satan's plan specifically is to do everything he can to keep you from accomplishing the call and purpose that God has placed on your life to build his kingdom. He creates, Satan in, in so many ways will create pools and currents and distractions to get us to to drift away from the things of God. And it's not just on Sunday. Typically, it's it's on a daily basis. The enemy is always trying to trip up God's children. 
If you're being attacked by the enemy, it's a sure sign that there's an anointing on your life and the enemy's come to kill, steal, and to destroy you. We have to recognize that not only is the enemy real, but God's plan, God's anointing on our life can overcome anything Satan has tactics to bring against you. That's the good news. We must be aware of how the enemy works and, and know that he's working to confuse and distract each one of us. Uh, but also be aware that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Also recognize that no weapon that the enemy has formed against you shall ever prosper. I'm here to encourage you today. Yes, there's a real enemy. Yes, there's, he's come to kill, steal, and destroy. Yes, he wants to take you out and knock you off of God's plan and purpose for your life. The good news is Jesus said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. We must recognize when we're drifting from the things of God, we can resist. We can put ourselves back in a place where we can walk uprightly before the Lord. And that's what I want to deal with you today. I want to talk to you four ways that we can resist the drift. David was drifting from the presence of the, law, of the Lord, from, the, from the, uh, uh, the, the purpose that he had on his life. Hebrews chapter 10 and 23, I love the way it says, let us hold tightly, it paints a picture, without wavering to the hope that we affirm. It, takes, it, it paints a picture of grabbing hold of the hope that we have in Christ. And don't let go of it. Hold tightly to it. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Ooh, I love that. Let us, he's talking to you and me, think of ways to motivate one another. He's talking to the church. In acts of love and motivate in, in, in good works. And, and let us not neglect our meeting together. Look at that. As some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of the return of the Lord is drawing near. You know what Paul is saying there? He's telling us, listen, you've got to hold on to the hope that you know that Jesus is coming back. We've got a hope in knowing that his return is, is, is drawing near. It's not a time for us to separate. I know, that, I know that they've got some regulations in place, and it's just like the enemy where he wants to separate God's people. He wants to throw us off track. He wants us to drift away from the purpose and the call that the Lord has on our life. But I've come to serve notice. You can resist the devil, and he will flee. Resist the drift. And cause yourself to be positioned in a place where his presence is first and foremost in your life. I was recently on the beach uh, with my children. And uh, we love to go to the beach. And at an early age, we've always done vacation on the beach. And, and one thing that I remember and uh, that, that, it, that happens consistently, no matter what beach you're on, whether it's the north, south, east, or west, you, 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 you always get yourself in a place, usually if the current's just right, it's going to cause you to drift. And this particular trip, I noticed, I told the kids uh, uh, multiple times, come back this way. They started off in front of me, and uh, as I was... Uh, uh, I don't know how you say, I was in the presence of the Lord under the sun. How about that? <laughs> and I was just taking it easy on my lazy chair. And I was watching the kiddos hang out in the water. But I noticed every time, every 10 or 15 minutes, where they were in one place at one moment, the next moment they would be all the way on the other side, you know, 30, 40 yards away. 
And I'd have to remind them, hey guys, come back over this way. Was they doing it purposely? No. But unconsciously, the waves, the current was pulling them to the side. And that's kind of what happens in life. When we quit praying, we quit studying, when we stop making church a priority, not a building, but being the church and protecting the anointing and the purpose and the desires that God has for us, sometimes it's easy for us to drift away because of not recognizing that the enemy is at work. I believe there's four things that we can learn from the life of David. And I want to share those with you today. So that in a way that we can be reminded to resist the drift. Number one, stay in the fight. Write that down. Stay in the fight. What I mean is don't lose focus on what you're doing. And why you're, why you're here. Why you're in this place. Why you're in this battle. See, when you gave your heart to the Lord. When you surrendered your life. You put yourself in a position to say, I'm a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And sir, madam, I want you to know, it doesn't mean, it never meant that you wasn't going to have trouble. It never meant that you wasn't going to have tests and trials. But it did mean that you would have a place to run to. David said, it's a, there's a, he's a strong tower in the present help of the time of trouble. You can run to him. You can run into that. You can run away from the circumstance into the solution. I'm, I'm, I'm just here to remind you today that his presence will never leave you. He's never going to turn his back on you. And no matter what storm or trial you face, like David, sometimes we put ourselves in the trouble. David sent Joab to do his job, David sent Joab to be on the battlefield. My question was, why? Why did he remove himself from the fight? Maybe like many of us today, we know what it's like to get weary and well-doing. We know what it's like to get tired. We know what it's like to just want to take a break. Maybe, maybe David just needed to take a, take a break. But I want you to see how when we take it easy too long and we lose focus, we can drift and we can be drawn away by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Maybe he felt this would be an easy battle so he could just let somebody else handle his position. But I want you to notice that the enemy is always at work. Satan knew how to get David off track. Just for a split moment, David is up on the rooftop and he sees this beautiful woman taking a bath through her window. Now he had the option to turn his head, get off the roof, and get back in the house. Many of us know what it's like to be in a position where you can choose to do right or you can choose to do wrong. And many times it's the second look that will get us in trouble. It's important that we recognize that the anointing is far more precious than anything that we can satisfy our flesh. David left the fight. And I'm convinced had he been where he was supposed to be, at the time he was supposed to be there, he would have never had to encounter this temptation and ultimate fall that caused him to be shifted or drifting away from the purpose that God had for his life. We are, we are in a daily battle for our souls. Moms and dads, we're in a battle for our families, our sons and our daughters. We're in a battle for our church, family. The enemy's come to divide us. He wants to divide and conquer this next generation, Satan has come to take them out with every, every tool, every trick that he can. 
to try to get them away from prayer, away from worship. He, he wants your sons and daughters to get distracted and deterred from everything the world has to offer them. But I want you to know something. I still believe that we're part of a, a remnant. I believe we're still part of a people. I believe there's still sons and daughters who know how to call on the name of the Lord when the enemy comes in like a flood. <laughs> I believe there's, there's men and women and boys and girls who know how to call upon the name of God and he'll come and fight every battle that we face. I want you to know you can resist the drift. The last thing we can do is count out what God is counting on. He is counting on you. To listen to his voice. He's counting on you to finish your race. Man your post, dad. Man your post, mom. Man it. Position yourself. Stay in the fight. Don't pull yourself out of the battlefield. Show up for the battle and keep fighting the good fight of faith that Paul talked about. We must resist the desire to, dr to drift from the things of God. I like it in, the, in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 11. Well, Paul encouraged even Timothy. He said, but you, Timothy, you are a man of God. What was he doing? He was reminding Timothy who he was. He said, you're a man of God, so run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Mm. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. What was he telling Timothy? He was saying, pursue righteousness. Pursue holiness. It's something that you got to do seven days a week, 365 days a year. It's not something you get figured out and, oh, I got it. I can take it easy now. That's usually when we start drifting. Maybe David thought he had it figured out. Maybe David thought, you know, I'm not in the shepherd's field anymore. I, I, I've got men and women who will go do my dirty work. I'm just going to take it easy. Listen to me. Don't allow yourself to get lackadaisical. Resist the drift. God's got a purpose and a plan on the other side. Number two, I want you to notice if we're going to resist the drift, we must stay committed. Verse 3 talks about how David sent messengers to retrieve Bathsheba after he saw her. When we lose commitment, sometimes we look for others who can help us do our dirty work, if you will. Sometimes we look for others to pat us on the back. And, and if they jump in the boat with us, it's, it's something about it, it makes us feel better. It justifies our actions. I, I don't know what David... Uh, was thinking, but he, made, he was making a wrong choice because he had lost his commitment. He had lost his commitment to the Father. He had lost his commitment to what it, what it represented to be loyal and faithful. He had lost his commitment. He had let down his standards. Listen to me. Just like any of us, he was drifting. Maybe because of a lack of prayer. Maybe because of a lack of study. Had to be because of a lack of being in the presence of God for some season. Your commitment is not that you'll never make a mistake. See, commitment doesn't mean you will never make a mistake. Commitment means that when you mess up, you come running to the Father and you confess. You make it right and you humble yourself and you say, Lord, I've sinned. Cleanse me. Purify me. 
What most of us get in trouble is, is, is we found justification for our wrong, our actions, and we continue doing the same old, same old, instead of simply putting ourselves in a place of repentance, renewing our commitment, and making things right with the Father. Psalms chapter 51 in the Passion Version. I don't think I gave it to the team, but I want to share it with you. I found it before I came on the stage. Psalms chapter 51, verse 15 through 17 says this. David is crying out to the Lord. He said, Lord God, this is after his fall, after he commits adultery. Lord God, unlock my heart. Unlock my lips. And I will overcome my joyous praise. For the source of your pleasure is not in my performance or the sacrifices I might offer to you. The fountain of your pleasure is found in the sacrifice of my shattered heart before you. <laughs> you will not be, you will not despise my tenderness as I humbly bow down at your feet. What was David explaining? He was saying, Lord, unlock my heart. Unlock my lips. There's a praise inside of me that's got to come out. There's a worship I've got to get back to. I've drifted away from giving you a committed, faithful, humble praise. And it's not the sacrifices that I can do that get your attention. It's a broken heart and a contrite spirit. It's a humble, committed vessel that causes you to stand up and rejoice that your sons come back home. That's what David was saying. And that's what it's like for you today. He wants you to have a heart that's hungry for him. We teach in our home, Brooke and I, that the best way to show you're sorry is changed behavior. Because a lot of times our kids will say they're sorry, but this, that the behavior never changes. Now listen, it's easier said than done sometimes, but it can be done when you're committed to change it. My daddy always told me, son, if you'll challenge it, it will change. What is the it in your life that needs to be challenged? What is causing you to drift away from the things that God has for you? The Bible says that the enemy, like a thief, comes in the night. Listen to me. What's a thief do? A thief has come to take away. A thief has come to cause confusion. A thief has come to, to uh, steal something from you. I want you to know something. The, the enemy is a thief. He wants to rob your joy. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to cause division in your home and in your marriage. He's a thief. But listen, he's also a liar. The truth is not in him. And I've come to speak the word of truth to you. I've come to declare that if God's for you, no devil in hell can be against you. I've come to let you know that God is working all things out for the good. But you must recognize and acknowledge that your commitment will cause the drift to cease. To be committed means you're all in, for better or for worse. No matter what I have to do, you have nothing to hide. That's a committed vessel. You're not walking away. You're not quitting. No, no, no. That's not an option. You, you're in it to win it. You're here, you're, you're here to stick. You're here to stay. And I want to encourage you. I want to build you up today and tell you, get your commitment back. Get your prayer life back. 
pull that Bible out and start reading it again, sir. Jesus is coming back. He's looking for a bride without spot nor wrinkle. And I believe now more than ever before, God's looking for the church to find its commitment once again. David stayed behind when he should have been on the battlefield. And it did lead to his greatest regret. That day, on the rooftop, I believe if he could, he would stand in front of all of us and say, if there's one thing I wish I wouldn't have done, was I wish I would have stopped ahead of time. I wish I wouldn't have got myself in that position. I wish I would have stayed committed to the call of the kingship. Today, in the book of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, the Passion Version again, Paul is talking to the church. He's talking to a churched people. He's talking to a ridiculed people. Hebrew church, they're losing their lives. Matter of fact, Nero is killing the Christians. They're hiding out. They're being persecuted. We think we're persecuted. We haven't went through anything yet. But Paul starts encouraging the Hebrews. He says, this is why it is so crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the truths that we have heard so that we do not drift off course. What's he saying? He's saying the reason we need the word, the reason we got to hold on to this hope in Christ is because easily because of what we're facing and what we're going through, it, it, it's easy to drift away. It's easy to look to... To man to fix our problem, to look to the government to fix our circumstance, to look to doctors and lawyers because that's what's tangible. And it doesn't take faith necessarily to ask this one to help or ask that one to help. I've come to encourage you, don't allow present circumstances to limit what God wants to do in your life. Stay committed. David's mistake was that he failed to stay committed to his most important asset. And that was his relationship with God. Being in his presence. I do believe he could have repented immediately. After his mistake with Bathsheba. And he would have had, his life would have had much. Uh, a greater um, change. I don't think he would have had his kids trying to kill him. Had he had repented after the first act of just adultery. We know that in David's life, not only did he commit adultery with Bathsheba, but then he lied to Uriah. He set him up. He tried to cover it up. And then he wound up killing him, which was Bathsheba's husband. I'm just telling you, sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll always cost you more than you want to pay. You must stay committed. Number three, stay transparent. Stay transparent. You have to know your limitations and what pulls on you like that current in the ocean. Stop acting like you're stronger than the temptation. I'm not talking to people in this place to try to, who, who want to fake it till they make it. Put a fake, phony face on. No, no. I'm talking to real folk with real problems, real temptations. We're all sinners saved by grace. Transparency is a huge part of resisting Temptation. I was talking to a young man just a couple days earlier, and he asked me this question. He said, how do I overcome temptation? I keep struggling. I repent, and then I struggle. I fail, I fall again with the same temptation. 
And I, I, I just begin to encourage him to recognize that one of the greatest tools that God's given us to overcome is transparency. Don't allow the enemy to make you think it's okay to cover it up. The longer you put it in the darkness, the easier it becomes for you to perform it. It's called drifting. The longer you stay in darkness, the more you drift. The Bible says, all things that are in darkness shall be brought to the light. What does the light do? It, it gives you opportunity to be transparent, to be open, and to be honest. Let's get some word. James chapter 4 and 7 says this, So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, there it is, and he will flee from you. James 4 and 10 says this, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Notice humility. I've never seen uh, a prideful, transparent person. If you're having problems being open and honest, it's probably because there's some pride holding you back. Drop the pride. Let it go. We want to be transparent, not only before our Father, but before people who can hold us accountable. Find you a pastor. Find, maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a, a, a best friend. Someone who's spiritually sound in the word that can build you up, disciple you, and encourage you in your greatest need. You can't overcome on your own. You need to know that. The Bible says, greater is he, watch this, that's in you than he that's in the world. Now notice those words. The he in you is Christ. And he will help you overcome every time. The you in you will keep falling without the Holy Spirit directing your steps. That's just the facts. You can't do it on your own. That's why you need Jesus. He will help you. You must stay transparent. For many, you may be struggling in certain areas and it's, it's okay but you have to admit it. And the first, uh, how you say, sign of overcoming is when we admit our failures, admit our weaknesses. That's how we can become stronger. All right. James chapter 4 and verse 8, I like this word. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands. You sinners and purify your hearts, you double-minded. What's he saying? Stop trying to hide. Come to me. Draw nigh to me. I'll help you cleanse. I'll help you purify. And we'll make things right. Write this down. Transparency makes room for submission and resistance. If you'll be transparent, it'll be easier to submit and resist the enemy. Resist the drift. Number four, stay humble. Stay humble. You must be a man, a woman of humility. David proceeds with his sexual desires for, with Bathsheba for himself, though he knew she was married. He knew that wasn't his wife. It was another man's. Mostly, I think, he preceded her and pursued her because of the somewhat power and entitlement that he carried in the city. See, pride will swell up in the heart of one that's not careful. And, and, and that heart 
of pride will say, I deserve it because of my success or because of my money, because of my background and what I've accomplished. But see, then pride destroys all that God has done through you while being in humility. Maybe you got the money. Maybe you've been successful. And you, but listen, I can only assume you got it because you was in a humble place. Nebuchadnezzar was a humble man when he started out. But he found himself in a place where he had so much money and so much fame and had so many victories and battles. He said, I can do all this by myself. I can, I can rule the nation. He was a king of that day in the Old Testament. And, and the Bible says in the book of Daniel that Nebuchadnezzar got so high and full of pride God showed him he was still God and he put him outside with the animals. And for seven years, he would be on all fours, eating grass, living like an animal. What did, what did God do? He stripped him of everything, all of his kingdoms, all of his money, all of his, all of his women to teach him something. And Finally, Nebuchadnezzar actually came back to himself and he got a second chance. I'm just here to tell you, Pride goes before destruction and a halty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16 and 18. 1 Peter 5 and 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Listen, sir, ma'am, I want to see you be effective for the kingdom. I want to see you grow. And we all must be men and women of humility. We can all learn from the life of David today. Use his failure as an example to learn. If you don't resist the enemy and temptation, eventually it may be that you, you're slowed down or that you drift in, in a slow manifested way from all the things that God has called for you to have. Don't allow yourself to be so prideful that you won't listen and heed the voice of the Holy Spirit. I believe he's calling to us today. I wonder if there are some things in your heart that are pulling on you. Some things that are causing a drift, if you would be honest. Would you like to get back in the right place? Would you like to get in the right position once again to renew your commitment to be transparent, to humble yourself before the Lord today. Listen, David's prayer in the book of Psalms chapter 51 deals with the importance of resisting the drift. I want to read this prayer as I close. And I want to pray with you. Psalms 51 and 10 says this. This is David. He says, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Can I ask you something, sir? Maybe you need to pray that prayer. Maybe you need to say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit I've been drifting and I'm tired of it. I don't want to drift anymore. I want to resist the drift. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new.
today, I want to have the joy of my salvation restored. Come on, if that's you in this place, you ought to just lift a hand up right where you're at. You ought to say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Maybe you've accepted Christ as your Savior for the first time, but maybe you've renewed your relationship with the Lord, your commitment with God today. Maybe this word has encouraged you. Listen, I want you to know you're not a throwaway. It doesn't matter what you've done. You can be forgiven, and you are, if you'll just accept his grace and mercy today. Father, I thank you for these men and women. Thank you for these boys and girls that are watching, that your word has encouraged them, enlightened them to know that they can resist the drift. We want to come running to you as sons and daughters. We trust you as author and finisher of our faith, and we praise you for our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining me today. I trust and believe that God's word has strengthened your faith. Why don't you visit me at darrenfarmer.com, and let's do life together on all social media platforms. And as always, your prayers and your financial giving is always welcome. God bless you.